This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Welcome back to the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. Today, we're going to talk about why we at Family Church have chosen to do live preaching at all of our campuses. If you are a multi-site church or you're thinking about becoming a multi-site church, this is one of the first and most important decisions that you're going to have to make. And a lot of people ask me why we do live preaching versus video venue. In fact, today, there were some pastors passing through town. They stopped by and asked me this question. So today, we're going to talk about why we do live preaching. And joining me today, as always, is our communications director, Leslie Bennett. And our guest today is my good friend, Pastor Bernie Cueto. Bernie, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Oh, well, thanks for having me, Jimmy. My name's Bernie Cueto. I'm born and raised Miami, Florida. So the name is different. We're American of Cuban descent. Been married to my wife, Anna, for 19 years. We have three kids. We do life together with the Scroggins family. We do yeah, ministry we do. together. In addition to teaching and preaching at a Family Church, I work at Palm Beach Atlantic University where I serve as campus pastor and I teach in biblical and theological studies. Yeah, and it's such a it's such an honor, Bernie, to get to have you on our team at Family Church. And it really is a joy. You know, Kristen and Anna are so close. Our children are so close. And, you know, I just kind of, when your kids come around, I just always kind of feel like they're my own. I know you feel the same about Absolutely. my children. They feel the same about you. And, you know, Bernie, what you didn't say about yourself is you actually have a lot of education. Tell them about your educational background. So in Miami, I did a, a Bachelor of Arts in English Literature. I thought God was calling me to law school for a really long time. We switched gears, responded to God's call to full-time Christian ministry, and decided to go to Dallas Theological Seminary. I did a Master's of Theology, a four-year degree. I did it in three years. I wanted to get out of there as soon as possible and start planning churches in Miami. And while I was there, I fell in love with the Bible, the original languages, preaching, preaching theory, and decided to stay into a PhD in New Testament studies and loved every minute of it. Yeah. And that's why one of the reasons you're such a valuable member on our team is all of the different things that you can do. Yeah, that's incredible. I didn't even know that about you, Bernie. That's probably why you're the best preacher on our team. I don't know about that. Everybody always says that. I, I don't know. know why. I don't, I don't know think why it's either. true. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, Jimmy. I can deal with it. I got a big ego. It's fine. <laughs> so one of the reasons that we do do live preaching is it does help guys like you who are bivocational. We're going to talk about that more in just a minute. But Jimmy, why don't you launch us into some of the reasons why, from your perspective, we chose to go with a live preaching model versus video venue? Well, I just want to remind our listeners that some of what we're going to be talking about may seem doable because we have dozens of pastors. And so you might listen to what we're saying and say, oh, yeah, of course, Family Church can do it because that's a big church and they've got a big budget and they've got all these people. But 
I want you to know that we've been doing this model live teaching ever since it was just Bernie and me. That's right. And we did it on three campuses, two in English and one in Spanish at uh, two different locations. And so we want to dive into uh, the reasons we decided to go with live preaching. And I'm telling you that any church of any size who wants to do multi-siders thinking about it ought to consider what we're saying, not so you do what we do, but so that you make a well-informed and well-thought-through decision. So one of the reasons that we did Live preaching has nothing to do with the Bible. It has to do with budget and money. (laughs) Live preaching for us was a lot more affordable because doing a video venue the right way is very expensive. And when we started this, we just didn't have the resources to do it. Well, there's a gigantic mega church here called Christ Fellowship in Palm Beach, and they're our good friends and we love them to death, Mm -hmm. but they do video venue with excellence and they have ESPN quality equipment and producers and their production level is so high that to do video venue in this community, we felt like we would have to at least approach their production level, and we just did not have the ability to do it. And so what we kind of said, hey, in our community, Life Church is here, Christ Fellowship is here, they're doing video venue really well. So we decided to kind of do something else. And the second reason is the bivocational aspect. And Bernie, you work a lot with our bivocational pastors. Yeah, I, th- I think there's lots of benefits to it. I think especially, Jimmy, being in South Florida, you have to think outside of the box in, in ways that maybe in some other locations they haven't thought about. And so we had several people in our church that had a calling for ministry. They had gifts and with regards to leadership and communication, but they were really good at what they did for a living. So for example, I just had lunch with one of our bivocational pastors. He's an incredibly gifted in wealth management, and he's great at relating to people. And that is part of his ministry. And I think the reason he's a good preacher, a good communicator, and a good shepherd is because he's maintained contact with those people that he does outside of the church. And so some of the struggle is you get a guy out of seminary. In seminary, he spent time, most of the people he was with were were Christian. (laughs) Yeah. And then they get in a church, and then 40 hours a week, they're just with believers. So you almost lose a little bit of that real world experience. Lose your edge. Absolutely. And so that was one of the practical, I think, benefits of going bivocational. The other practical benefit is our preachers really have, our campus pastors have little pressure in the sense of, Oh, well, if this doesn't go wrong, if this doesn't go well, then I'm going to have to just scrap everything. And so they, they they have the benefit of having us guiding them, and but they still have their careers. And their careers are actually become a great funnel to invite people to their church, to their ministry, so that they can continue to make an impact. No, I totally agree with that. And, you know, Bernie, you're actually bivocational. I mean, the majority of your income comes from Palm Beach Atlantic University, yes. and you serve in a part-time capacity as a pastor at our church, as does uh, as do three other of our, of our teaching pastors that serve on our various campuses. And one of the things that makes all of this work is that we have tried to create a culture of collaboration. And Leslie, you're a huge proponent of this, and you're kind of some of the you're kind of uh, the catalyst for making all of that work. 
Well, we talked about that in our podcast already, how that's very much a part of our culture here at Family Church. We like to collaborate on everything. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting that we also collaborate on our preaching because I think it would be, to me, this is one of the most challenging areas to collaborate on because if you're delivering this message that you've prayed about, that you've thought about, that you feel like God wants you to bring to the people that you're shepherding, I think that that would be hard to collaborate on. Like, is this ever a challenge that you have in your preaching meetings or that you feel the tension of, you know, saying... What you want to say versus saying what we've decided as a group to say? I think if if you're thinking like I'm a Lone Ranger in ministry, yes. If you think I'm part of a team, at the beginning, it might be a little bit of a challenge. But then they begin to say, okay, if there are 11 guys in this room and they've all put a couple hours into studying the text, you multiply that. You have over 20 hours of training in a one or two hour session. The other point I want to make about collaborating is I've had the opportunity, so I'm 44 and I've been ministering and preaching since I was 20 before seminary and after seminary. In order for for this to really work, you have to have a strong, confident leader that's not always focusing on their ego, like Jimmy, mm-hmm. who's not, who doesn't mind being challenged, welcomes it where we can have open conversations of directions where we think the text is going. Now, if he had a different leadership style, this would not work. So I think one of the key components is, do you have a guy that's confident enough to take other people's views and help them kind of work together? But yeah. the big push, Leslie, it just it cuts down on the bivocational pastor's prep time right. by at least 70%. Yeah. That's huge. And we're going to talk more in our next episode about exactly how we come to this message each and every week. But right. I think it's really, that's so great, Bernie, to think about in a team concept versus the Lone Ranger concept. Right. I really like that. Well, some of what has to happen is, you know, Bernie has a PhD in uh, New Testament. I have a PhD. So we have a lot of tools and skills that some of our bivocational guys just don't have. Mm-hmm. So we can put in study. One, we can go further in our study than they can go. And two, we can do our study a lot faster then they can do it because we spent a lifetime developing the skills to pull messages together. And so when Bernie and I and some others put our heads in the game and we come to our preaching meeting with some some study and some things to, to share with them, it really accelerates, especially the bivocational pastor, because this guy is not going to have 20 hours to study for his sermon. And even if he did, his tools are more limited. And so we think it just is an accelerator. But the other thing is, one of the things that, uh, because of our bivocational nature, because we have multiple campuses, our game that we're playing here is a neighborhood pastor in a neighborhood building in a neighborhood church speaking the neighborhood language. Mm -hmm. And we just think the neighborhood church and the neighborhood pastor is so powerful that we want to create an environment where the community knows there's a pastor in this church in that building that loves them and cares about them and knows them. So when they have some tragedy in the community, we want the neighborhood pastor to be there speaking into that and uh, doing ministry. When they have a difficulty in their marriage, we want them to know where to come. Mm-hmm. When the school needs somebody because there's a tragedy, we want them to know where to come That's and, right. and putting the neighborhood pastor there. And so that is one of the great advantages is that the video screen, the guy on the screen isn't going to come do your wedding. The guy on the screen isn't going to come to hospital, visit you in the hospital, but the neighborhood pastor can, can do it. And it's not that campus pastors with video venue can't do all of that, but there is something powerful about the person who is preaching in the pulpit coming into your living room and praying with you on his knees, that is a is a powerful thing that we try to take advantage of. But it's not just that. Because we have a neighborhood pastor, that enables us to contextualize mm-hmm. our ministry to the, to the neighborhood that we're trying to reach. 
there's sort of a, we often don't speak of it, but there's a theological reality of incarnation, right? Jesus physically, literally became a man. He dwelt among us, right? The Gospel of Matthew begins with Emmanuel, God is with us. Mm -hmm. And the Gospel of Matthew ends with, and lo, behold, I promise to be with you, with you, Always. And so when so you get a PhD in New Testament, you memorize verses at each end of every book. Just just the beginning and just the end, and then we're good to go. Everybody assumes you know what's in the middle. Which, yeah. uh, you caught me on that one. Yeah. But my point is, there's power in in presence, and in, in just the fact that the guy that they see on on Sunday morning is the guy, like Jimmy said, that's going to visit him in the hospital. That's this incarnational model of ministry that you sort of miss out if the preaching's not live. Yeah, that's so good. And we'd see that all the time. People want to speak to the person or talk to the person who's speaking to them from the platform. That is their pastor. That's who they're connecting with. And it means so much when that person can actually meet with them. Well, I'll just tell you this. I met Jimmy when he got to Family Church a little over 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. We became friends. We had friends in common. Before I heard him preach, he had visited one of my son's soccer games, and that was 10 years ago. So Bernie was probably six years old. I don't know if you've seen a six-year-old play soccer. But <laughs> it's awesome. It is not, it's entertaining to say the least, <laughs> but frustrating at the same time. Well, the fact that my friend, soon-to-be pastor, took time out of his busy schedule to go to one of my kids' sporting events when he had plenty of kids and plenty of sporting events right. to go to, it's the power of a pastor's presence, mm -hmm. physical presence. And I think the same thing applies to preaching. And that's part of what we're trying to do with this contextualization idea, Leslie, is that you know we have all these different neighborhoods. So these are different kinds of neighborhoods. If it was just me preaching on a screen or just Bernie preaching on a screen every week, you know, we're speaking into people who speak Portuguese, and most of them are immigrants from Brazil. Mm -hmm. uh, many of their English is very limited. Uh, same for our, our Spanish-speaking campuses and services. We have like 800 people worshiping every Sunday in Spanish at our different places. And so, you know, they have a different experience because a lot of them are first or second generation immigrants. We have one of our campuses is very rural. In fact, it's called Family Church in the Farms. That's right. And that's not <laughs> metaphorical. That's real. <laughs> right. like, a Florida farm anyway. Right. Well, it's kind of swampy, but they, I mean, it's out in the sticks and those people own horses and dune buggies and, you know, four by fours. And then we have other very upscale campuses like where Bernie preaches is in Palm Beach Gardens. That's one of the most upscale neighborhoods in all of the state of Florida. And then I preach down here on Flagler Drive right across. You can see Palm Beach Island mm -hmm. where you can see that you can literally see President Trump's house from the front porch of our church. And so we all have different contexts that we're trying to reach and live preaching Let's all of us speak directly to the neighborhoods that we're talking to. And that's another reason why, you know, we believe in something called preaching to lead. And we've talked about this from time to time on the podcast. We believe that when you preach, you're not just trying to impart information. And so, you know, we've said that we don't think for us, preaching is not supposed to be like a classroom event. It's supposed to be much more like coaching. Right, So a classroom teacher just goes in, delivers his content. If everybody take notes, they learn it or they don't. The coach actually goes into practice, and he is, is trying to encourage. He's putting his arm around this one guy and screaming at the other one and kicking mm -hmm. somebody in the rear end and trying to push people forward to accomplish a goal. That's what we at Family Church are trying to do with our preaching and our teaching. It's not just information delivery. It's it's group dynamics. It's it's shepherding. It's leadership. 
And all of that's part of building culture, leading initiatives, and keeping everyone moving in the in the same direction. You know, I think I started developing this here, Jimmy, but the the notion that the preacher is a coach. Yeah. At Family Church, we want to inform minds with our preaching. We want to instruct hearts with our preaching. We want to influence behavior. So we want them to think differently. We want them to feel differently about what's being preached, and we want them to behave differently, like a coach. I mean, I've, I've been on plenty of teams where the coach told me to do something. I went out on the field and didn't do it, and he sat me, and I objected, why did you sit me? Well, you didn't do what I told you to do. And so when we think of our preaching, we're sort of thinking the same way. Now, right. most churches, I came from a Hispanic background, we were really good on that heart component. Mm -hmm. You felt something during the worship through music. You felt something during the preaching of the Word. You loved it. And to my shame, on many occasions, people would ask me, how was the sermon? I thought, it was phenomenal. What was it about? I have no idea, but I just felt really good during the But I was the fired up. Yeah. It was almost like a pep rally. Yeah. And then some other churches will really focus on thinking differently. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it'll, the sermon will almost feel like a lecture, but you don't sense the presence of God. You, you don't really feel the sting, maybe the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And some are really focused on social action. Mm -hmm. And and we want to see all three at all of our campuses. Now, can all of our guys be great preachers? No. I mean, I wish I could preach as good as Jimmy or Haddon Robinson <laughs> yeah, right. or, or, or one of these big time guys, but they could all preach effectively. Mm -hmm. They can all preach faithfully. And if they're humble, they could all preach powerfully. And that's what we want to get out of them. And we really have a lot of application orientation in our sermons on the things that we want, like you said, people to actually do. And this is where we also get to lead through our mission, vision, and our core values. We get to continually remind people that we're on a mission field of South Florida. We're wanting to have more gospel conversations, more gospel congregations. And that's how we also incorporate preaching to lead with some of the initiatives, like you said, Jimmy that we do across all of our campuses. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So Bernie, one of the things that we're able to do as well, this helps us build a leadership pipeline. If we're going to have 11 campuses and we're about to have 15 campuses in one day, we'll probably have 25 campuses. And as we're also planting churches beyond our campuses, we've got to raise up and identify and train and place leaders. And we see live preaching as a way to raise up leaders. And that's something that's been really important to you in uh, your ministry here at Family Church. I can't agree with you more, Jimmy. I mean, I think there's a lot of lost people in South Florida. There's a lot of people that have never heard the gospel or they've been burned by the church. And I think many people have tried to have the one big church model and assume everyone is going to come from all around the county mm -hmm. to visit us. And it's just, it doesn't work that way anymore. So we need more people. And I think part of this is because of your strength and leadership, which Jimmy knows this, and I've said this before, it's not one of my strengths. And so I, I kind of feel like we complement each other, mm -hmm. where he has huge strengths. Uh, it, it just, God doesn't use me that way, but but I get to spend more time in the text and more time in the study. And then those are, might be some strengths that I have. The leaders we've been attracting love preaching. I don't think they would be satisfied. I don't think we could attract the quality of leader 
the right fit for our church's DNA. Right. If we told them, hey, we're actually, since Jimmy's a better communicator, Bernie's a better communicator, we're just going to put videos every single Sunday. I don't think we would be able to, re- we would be doing those preachers a disservice by not developing them and helping them get stronger in their preaching. And so I like the fact that our guys are hungry to preach. Now, do we use video in our services? We do, but not every single Sunday. Right. And I think that's so important, too, because if we have four or five thousand people at family church on a Sunday and we were all showing one video, you would have to have a pretty strong and confident and skilled communicator to be able to communicate effectively to four or five thousand people. But what multiple preachers lets us do is take advantage of different sized venues for preachers with different personalities and different life stages and different skills. Because there might be a guy who he's perfectly comfortable and confident and effective preaching to a hundred people at one of our campuses, but you could never put him on video in front of 5,000. Right. And, and it just lets us have more room for different preachers with different, honestly, different levels of talent, different levels of expertise, experience, uh, giftedness, and gives us places to put them that fits, and we can still grow the body of Christ. As we do more bivocational, get more bivocational people on our team, we can pair people together. Yes. And so we can have a strong preacher as well as a strong administrative person who can help lead a campus together, both bivocational. And we have several campuses where we have that happening. Mm -hmm. They're both bivocational leaders, so it's not two salaries, and they're also getting the real-world experience, and they're leading from a place of understanding what it's like to actually work a job every single week and then come to church on Sundays, and it helps them be more, I think, empathetic and effective leaders as they do that. And usually their job is in the community when they're preaching and when they're leading, their kids play sports in the community where the church is, where their job is. And so it's really a win-win situation. Yeah. Well, that's what we're all about here at Family Church. It's about multiple platforms, developing multiple preachers and leaders. We want to develop as many neighborhood pastors for as many neighborhood churches and build as many neighborhood buildings as we can in order to reach as many neighborhoods for Christ as we possibly can. So thanks so much, Bernie and Leslie, for joining me today. I think this covers the why we do live preaching instead of video venue. And I know that some of you may be wondering about how do you do it? And we're going to talk about how we preach these live sermons everywhere in our next episode. And we'll also be doing sessions coming up on preaching to lead and team preaching at this year's Sharper Conference. That's a one-day conference for your whole team. It's on March the 7th, 2019. It'll be cold where you are on March the 7th. It'll be warm (laughs) here. Come join us. Register today at sharperconference.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.